Hey there, friends. Welcome to another thrilling episode of Flying Chariots, The Rise. Today's guest, George Lansford, is a man of many talents and fascinating ventures. From working as a maintenance worker to making explosives for the government, George's journey took a fascinating turn when he ventured into the world of acting. For years, he was featured in indie films, commercials, book trailers, promotional videos and even starred in a Steep Canyon Rangers music video titled Longshot. George's story, however, transcends the boundaries of cinema and takes a deep turn into mystery. As a cryptozoologist, researcher and investigator for Bigfoot 9-11 and Go Dark Paranormal, George enters the mysterious world of cryptids and the paranormal. His life has changed forever in his youth when the ghost of his great-grandmother had visited him after her death, leaving an imprint on his perception of the supernatural. From encounters with ghosts at a haunted school to a near-death experience that gave him insight into the afterlife, George's journey is one of deep mystery and uncharted territory. He witnessed the unexplainable in the Bermuda Triangle, encountered a UFO in the middle of the ocean and conducted extensive research into paranormal phenomena, cryptids and Bigfoot. George's life is a testimony to the mysterious wonders that exist beyond the veil of our understanding. So join us as we unravel the unusual life and experiences of George Lunsford, a man whose journey has taken him from the mundane to the mystical and whose passion for the obscure has shaped his entire life. Okay, George, then thank you for being our guest tonight. In the introduction, we have heard your story, so let's jump right in. I want to start with the supernatural that has played an important role in your life, starting with your great-grandmother's ghostly visitation. Okay. Um, uh, tell us what happened that day. Well, there's not a lot to tell. I was in my later teens. And I was in the bed asleep, of course, you know, late, late at night, early in the morning. And it was probably around, just guessing, probably around 2 or 3 o'clock at night, or in the morning, I guess you should say. And I woke up, something felt funny, so I woke up. And I looked, and at the end of my bed, sitting on my bed, was my great-grandmother. But she didn't look normal. She was almost translucent with a, with a slight glow to her. You know, something unusual. And I was, I thought I was dreaming. So I just went with it. <laughs> you know, you don't really think about that like when you're out of sleep. And she basically told me that she was going home and that she wanted to tell me bye and that she loved me. And I told her I loved her back and she was gone. But you could smell her perfume still in the air and i just i thought well this is a dream ain't no big deal and i i guess i drifted off back to sleep and then i woke up the next morning and we found out that she had passed away but when i walked back in my room later after after i was told that i could still smell her perfume oh that's interesting the spirit visitation from your great-grandmother involved a sensory element 
So Smenogner sent in the room. Did you experience something like this more often later? I mean, you're dealt with this topic? I dealt with spirits popping up on me after I had after I went through my near death experience. It's like I peeked behind the veil and they all wanted to come out and say hello. <laughs> and I mean, I could be after that, I could be driving down the road and I could feel something. And look over and it'd be someone sitting beside me in my vehicle as I'm driving down the road and they look like they'd been in a car wreck or they or they were dead and it never really scared me it surprised me a little bit but it never scared me and uh they would tell me their story and then they'd dis disappear so do you see yourself as some kind of medium maybe no no I'm just I'm just a crazy old country boy who uh had some weird experiences happen to him i had one i had to cross a bridge there's a there's a graveyard and a church and then you cross the bridge over to my road so i had to cross it when i was coming home and as i would come across it i always hear somebody as an old black man he'd laugh at me if i looked down at him he'd flip me off and he just laughed like everything and he kept doing that over and over again for a while and i finally stopped the car one day and walked down to the grave and uh you know i i went there and i introduced myself to the grave and then after that he didn't flip me off anymore he just laughed at me <laughs> what But did he want just, it was just like I, i had a little bit of peek behind the veil yeah. and they they would they could still talk to me and answer me and everything else but it's i never really Now, it was never like a medium. I mean, if, if it happened or if I seen it, it was no, it was no big deal. It was never scary. So you're into a lot, George. I, I read that in your, in your bio, you're into a lot. So can you tell us how all these experiences influenced you and uh, tell us how you subsequently moved into the field of cryptozoology and paranormal research? I, I'm, I'm a, I'm kind of an odd duck. I'll be honest with you. If I decide I want to do something, I just do it. And uh, I wanted to be an actor. I jumped into acting. I acted for 15 years and all kinds of different things. I got tired of doing that. got tired of all the political crap. I said, I'm going to be a writer. So I started writing uh, some scripts. And then I wrote, uh, started writing books. And it's just happened that way. Uh, and my books, because of the stuff that's always happened to me, I've always had this weird thing about me. I always like horror. I've always liked science fiction and all this other stuff. And then with the ghost thing and all that, I just felt like it was natural to go into being a, a cryptozoologist and a paranormal investigator and a ufologist. So you told me you like science fiction. You like horror. Me too. I'm into science fiction also. I don't have time to read, but... Whenever I can, I try to read some Perry Roden. I love Perry Roden so much, man. And um, I like I like all these old, older science fiction stuff. I have cassettes here, like the old cassettes that you used to put in your in your Walkman. Oh yeah. And uh, there's these old seventies uh, and sixties and eighties science fiction spaceships. So and so is in oh, danger. Yeah. Stuff like that. Um, what? What draws you in when it comes to science fiction? How why do you like science fiction so much? I like the older science fiction better because they had better storylines and better character setup. The new ones, 
don't quite have it like the old ones did. I mean, I read Arthur C. Clarke. I read Lynn Carter. I read uh, all the Orson Welles. I read, I read all kinds of these different books from all these really great writers, C.S. Lewis and, you know, J.R.R. Tolkien and all these guys. And they're, they're such amazing writers, especially like Arthur C. Clarke. He's more the science fiction than science fantasy by a long shot. And uh, it just pulled me in, you know, knowing that there could be something else smarter than we are, which after you look at the world today, you'd fear that can't be too hard. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. Gotcha. Um, I like the old science fiction stuff. Like I said, Perry Roden, for example, because yep. um, there was always these cool drawings when they showed a ship in the book and they put in every detail of the ship. Oh, like yeah. Hundreds of details. And that was so exciting to 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 see and look at everything and, and read what it says and, and you were thinking, man, this could be real. This could be a real a real fucking spaceship. It's so oh, yeah. And how they described everything and it 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 uh, drew me in and I, I was there. I was I was right in the story. It was so cool. Um but now the world turns faster and yep. everything has to be faster and faster to consume. Yeah, produce stuff that is fast to consume because everybody's busy, right? And um, oh yeah, yeah. Well, the thing too about the older science fiction. I mean, when I I was reading the old Conan series, I looked at the covers, and the covers are being done by uh, Frazetta, one of the most incredible artists in the world. And he did the, you know the John Carter ser series or John Carter of Mars series or I should say Princess of Mars series. Uh, he did those covers, and they're so demanding. You know, they, they pull your eye, and they make you look at the covers, because he did, like, Death Dealer covers for Molly Hatchet and all these other ones, and they were just incredible artwork. And you don't get that kind of artwork anymore. Oh, that is true. I'm I was born 1980. And I uh, played with the C64, with the computer, with the C64, uh, and with the Amiga, and all these old computers. And I had this uh, game, it was called, I think it was called Barbarian. And it was this Conan-like dude who chopped off the heads of his opponents. And I remember this crazy artwork on this uh, on this uh, art box. And after, after a few years, I heard a podcast... And they in the podcast they said they went into a, a fitness studio and they grabbed the first big guy they found and said, "Do you want to be on the cover of this game?" <laughs> and he said, "Yeah, I'm down." And they, I think they gave him a few bucks and they they had this model this this woman with them, and um, yeah, so that's how they created the picture for the for the for oh, the cool. uh, barbarian uh, uh, game. Interesting, yeah, but um. You also, in your bio, I, I could read that you also had experience in a haunted high school. Man, tell me more about that. <laughs> My high school, uh, it was fairly new when I went there. And what had happened, it used to be a, where the high school setting used to be a, a pauper's graveyard for poor people and indigent people and stuff like that. And it had been there for almost 100 years. Well, when the school bought the property, they supposedly moved the graveyard, supposedly. And when they went to put the band area in, they 
scooped up with the front end loader and I lifted up, there was body parts hanging from the front end loader. <laughs> so they had to go back in and they said, you know, remove the bodies, what was left because the other people didn't get them all. And they moved them to the, the new graveyard. Well, when I was going to school there, there was always weird things happening, like shadows crossing in your peripheral vision or doors opening and closing for no reason or noise of somebody walking down the hallway and there'd be nobody out there. And it was always something like that all the time. Crazy. Um, any more uh, memorable experiences or encounters occurred during the time? Well, I, I worked at a place. I, I made explosives for a little while for the government. And when you make explosives, they, they make them all in different buildings. So the whole plant is actually different buildings in different areas. And the place that was there, they dealt more with uh, chemicals like uh, liquids and stuff like that than we did. And one time when that old plant had it, there was two guys working late one night uh, up in the phosphorus area. And when they get done, you're supposed to clean the vats out, the phosphorus vats out. And you can't use anything that will spark because once phosphorus catches on fire, it has to burn out. You can't put it out. And it burns really, really hot. Well, the two guys were working. I guess it was late and they were tired. And uh, one guy was down in the pit and one guy was getting ready to get in the pit. And he grabbed the wrong tool and we scraped it across to get the phosphorus up. It, it ignited the phosphorus hmm. and blew the one guy out of the building out to, outside covered in phosphorus. It was on fire. The other guy burned to death inside the pit. They said you could hear his screams as he died. And the other guy was on fire. He, he got up just, I guess, for adrenaline. And he was screaming and in major pain as the, as the parts melted off his body. He started walking down the road. Well, when I came over there to the plant, it started you know, as a whole new plant. It was a different area. You could walk up there and see the footprints burned into the pavement. And once a year, every year, if you were was working at night, which we didn't do a lot of, but every now and then we had to, you could hear the most, excuse my language, but God awful scream and the pain you've ever heard in your life. And you could look up where that was. You'd see a, a, like a ball of fire moving down that road. And it would only move like where the guy walked within 10 spaces of the building. And it, it was set there for a minute, and all of a sudden it would blink out and disappear. And that, that'd be it for another year. Damn. <laughs> Imagine burning to death like that. It's crazy, man. Oh, yeah, because it, it's so intense and such a hot fire. I mean, you're, you're talking hot enough to make your skin and your muscles melt off your bones. Yeah. And I think it's a, it's a, it's a fire that you can't kill, right? Right, right. You know, you can, the only way you can put phosphorus out is to suffocate it. Yeah. And you have to use, you have to watch even using sand on it because it'll fuse the sand and make glass. These guys burned and they knew that nobody can kill the fire. Right. Well, they wouldn't, they didn't last long enough to worry about it because nobody could have even got to them in time. Damn. But it was pretty bad. <laughs> speaking about burning people, you worked for the government um, and you made explosives. Tell me more about that. Sounds interesting. I made. Well, it wasn't just for the government. It was actually, it was a, we did government contracts. And we also did civilian contracts. I made things like 
you you have they drill for oil and say the bit breaks off what they do they when they got what they call a uh, a perforator and what they do they run this explosive down there that's a it's a penetration charge they run this explosive down to the top of that bit and they set it off and it blows that bit up then they run the new bit down and pull everything out and then start drilling again i made oil filled uh the, those those explosives i made shape charges I made cutting charges. I did uh, penetration charges. I made the struct systems for the Triton and Titan missile systems. I made blowout panels for the shuttle, just different things. And then I moved from being a one who made the explosives to being an inspector. So I actually got to go in and test all of them out and inspect them and check the cuts of the charges, check the depths of the penetration charges. I had to be, I was so picky on some of our contracts that, you had to be within a millionth of an inch on these things. Interesting. It was, it was fun. Yeah. Sounds interesting. I was the only non-college educated inspector and I had the best pass. I had the best record of all of them. And you're still into that or. Okay. No, no, that only lasts a certain period of time. It was bought out by a place called Connecticut arms and they closed the, closed everything down and moved everything. Mm-hmm. Now I'm just a, I'm a maintenance facility tech, facility maintenance tech. I'm sorry. Yeah. I basically go into the places I work and I take care of any kind of issues in the building itself. I do the plumbing, I do electrical, I do uh, HVAC, I do painting, I do carpentry, all of it. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And you're also an author and an experiencer and researcher. And uh, <laughs> you do have your own podcast, if I heard that right. I do. Yes, sir. Tell me more about it. Tell me everything about your podcast. Well, my podcast, I used to do my own podcast, a, a single person podcast, but I've got in with these other fellows uh, named Robert Effler. He's my partner on the podcast and we have our producer, which is, he might as well be our partner too. He's, he's right there equal with us. His name's Eric. And we do a podcast called NCIS, North Carolina Investigates Sasquatch. And right now, the only place you can find it is on Facebook. But we're going to be expanding out later on to YouTube and everything else when we get all the bugs worked out. But it's a fun little podcast. We talk a lot about Bigfoot. And we brought another guy in here recently. His name's Harley. And he's actually been out doing some field investigations for us. And he's found an area that is a very, very much a hot spot. He's got... Uh, he's had experiences out there, rocks throwed at him. He's had Bigfoot peeking from behind trees and watching him. Uh, he's seen, he's recorded up to 15 different ones there. Interesting. And uh, we just talk about a little bit of everything. And it's just like friends talking online. And we laugh, we cut up, we have a good time. And we invite, I invite you, I invite everybody to come and listen to us. We ain't serious, but what we tell you is the truth. Yeah, I I don't know what I if I'm if I would be a good guest, but um, I could tell you some stories. I guess I I also had a UFO sighting when I was just 16 years old, and I'm 43 now, and it was uh, pretty intense and interesting. I told it a million times already, but um, love to hear it. Yeah, yeah, I can give you a short version of it. Since it's okay. your, your platform today, it's not about me, but I oh, when, no, we're friends. That's okay. <laughs> when I was 16, I was with two friends, and uh, um, long story short, we saw this triangle shaped UFO in the sky. 
And back then, you know, 1996, we didn't have a cell phone or a computer. At least I didn't have stuff like that. And my friends also. And um, we didn't know about UFOs or alien stuff and, and all these things. And yeah, like I said, it was a triangle-shaped UFO and this kind of light in the middle. I think today they would call it TR-3B or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, triangle, it was dark. I don't know if it was black or blue or it was just silver. I, I couldn't tell because it was nighttime. It was at night. It was a, right. a clear night. And it stood there and didn't move at all. Didn't move an inch. And my buddy said, hey, look up. What's that? What's that? And I said, where, where? It took me a second to, to see it. And then, I, and then I found it and said, whoa, what's that? That's not a helicopter and that's not a plane. This is crazy, man. And back then we didn't know about drones. I don't think it was a drone. It had made no sound, um, nothing, and suddenly it moved. Like, in within a second, it moved. I don't know the length of three football fields or something like that. Wow! And, and it stopped immediately. Bam! It stopped. So if anybody was inside, he smushed. So, um, we Ooh. thought, oh, this is crazy, and then we started to we were a little bit uh, frightened. After we saw that, and then we just stared at the sky, and then he moved again. Then he made a, 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 a set shape or something like that. Also, within a second, it moved. Wow. <laughs> so damn fast. And then it stood there again, not moving at all. And we ran inside the house, shut the door, shut the windows, shut everything. <laughs> and we didn't even <laughs> peek out the window, nothing. And we. Um, haven't talked. We haven't talked about it for a long time after that. Um, I'm not sure, but the other guys now think about it. But we haven't talked uh, a long time about it. It's, yeah, it was a crazy experience back then, and it uh, it's with me ever since. Maybe it's the reason I started uh, my projects. I don't know. It's hey, that's cool. <laughs> that that's a that's a cool experience. Yeah, it really I, is. Haven't seen anything serious since then. Um, I I saw things in the sky like everybody of us uh, does from now and then. We, we all we all see things in the in the night sky and and we think hmm, what was that? But nothing like that. I have seen uh, nothing else like that anymore. Hmm. Well, it had to be pretty close for you to be able to see that much detail in it. Yeah, it was. Yeah, whether it was very big or it was very close, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But <laughs> um, in your biography. I saw that you mentioned encounters uh, in the Bermuda Triangle and a UFO sighting in the middle of the ocean. Could you share more details about this experience, please? <laughs> well, the Bermuda Triangle was, uh, we found, I've, I've been through it a million times. Nothing, no big deal. And uh, one time we found a F-14 tail fin that was, it was, almost pristine but it, apparently the aircraft had disappeared years before we found it i thought that was kind of odd but one time we was out it was beautiful i was on aft lookout i spent a lot of time on aft lookout now that i think back in it, my military days and it was in the uh 80s i don't remember exactly what year it was because it all run together after a while i'm i'm old i'm not 56 right now so <laughs> We were out there, and the water was just as smooth as glass. It was a beautiful, beautiful day. 
And the forward lookout hollers at me. He said, look up the side of the ship and tell me what this is. So I walk over to the edge. I look up there and there's a dot way up on the horizon in front of the ship. The horizon's 10 miles. So it's about 10 miles away. And it was a gray dot. I said, I don't have a clue what that is. I said, just keep an eye on it. We'll see what it is when we get up there. And the closer we got, the bigger it got, more spread out. When we got within probably five miles of it, it was all the way to the horizon, all the way to the water. And as far as you could see on both sides of the ship, it was just a gray fog wall, which a fog in the ocean is nothing unusual. It's it's happens a lot. So you didn't really think anything about it. But as the ship went into the fog wall, our electronics went crazy and went out. It just stopped working. No matter what it was, it just stopped working. And the compasses was spinning just as fast as they could spin around. And we went into this fog. We had enough inertia going forward to where we just kept going. And as it come out the other side, everything come back on as if nothing had changed from when we first got, went into it. Everything, this compasses stopped spinning. All the electronics kicked back on. And as you're in the fog, your your skin felt like it was being charged with electricity. The hair stood up. And it was just really strange feeling when you went through. We come out the other side, and the water was choppy. The whole, the sky was grayish. And I looked, I was back on the ass. So I looked behind the ship, and it was gone. There was no fog anymore. It was It had disappeared. Crazy. Um, I I hear all this stuff about how the mystery of the Bermuda Triangle is solved and stuff like that. I'm not sure about it, man. I hear so many stories about it still. Who knows? But um, maybe I missed it. You've been there uh, with the Army or with the Navy? Navy. Or... I was in the Navy. Oh, yeah. Okay. That, that's interesting. So you weren't... You weren't the only one experiencing. Oh, no. Everybody on the ship experienced what happened. And what did they, did these people share their opinions on, on, on what it might be? Or we just figured it was some kind of ma magnetic anomaly, which I never could say it properly. Anomaly. Yeah. Something like yeah, that. Magnetic anomaly. <laughs> but um, yeah, I have my problems too. I'm German, man. Sometimes <laughs> it's not I'm... easy. I'm an old country boy, so I don't I don't talk as well as most people do. <laughs> We're good. But yeah, a magnetic anomaly, but but why and how? It's interesting still. Nobody knows. No, nobody had a clue what made it do it or what. But you know, back then in the 80s, when something happened, nobody ever talked about it again. Once it happened, it's okay, well, it's done. You know, yeah. we're all we were all just young kids, so it's like, yeah. Oh, well, what's next? Yeah. You know, short attention span. Yeah. Why break your head over something you can't explain, right? Yeah. Nobody even worried about it. Well, you were talking about me seeing the UFO in the middle of the ocean. We were on a NATO and we were crossing the ocean, headed over to, what was we, I think, Canary Islands. And as we was headed over, our, we, our ships lined up in a line as they travel. And I was on F. I have to look at it again. It was two or three o'clock in the morning, like usual. And the forward lookout reported seeing lights off of our port side. Well, the radar had nothing on radar. 
nothing on sonar, nothing on radar. There was nothing supposed to be anywhere around us. I look, I take pick the doctors up. I'm watching this light, and it looks it's just a line of lights. That's all you can see. And I'm thinking, that's got to be a submarine con tower because that's the way their lights are. But I got to looking, and it wasn't touching the water. And the more I watched it, I could see it. It started moving side to side this slightly and then keeping pace with the ship, almost like it was looking for something. And I what we watched the lights. We, I, mean, I watched them for a good five minutes. And everybody else had quit paying attention to them because, you know, a big deal is lights on the horizon. Then that thing lit up real bright and shot straight up in the air and disappeared. Wow. And <laughs> the guy on the forward look at it said did did that thing just light up i said yeah he said where'd it go i said straight up he said oh you're full of crap and quit paying attention to it because <laughs> they all thought it was they they've all thought it was a, a submarine too and went back underwater but no it shot straight i mean just as straight up in there as you could possibly believe and uh of course i'm 19 years old i didn't think ufo i just thought eh, that was weird Went back to watching the ocean. <laughs> you know, I had cheese balls and Mountain Dew. I was good to go. I wouldn't really worry about it. <laughs> so these magnetic anomalies might explain why planes crash in the water. It might explain why ships sink, maybe. But how do you explain seeing stuff like that? Or there are many reports of... Uh, other people who were on ships or on planes who have seen other strange things. They've seen very old ships or yeah, also yeah. UFOs, stuff like that, like crazy apparitions. So how does magnetic anomalies explain that? Right. I mean, yeah, it, it yeah. really don't. It really doesn't. Yeah. Um, Do, do you have uh, all these uh, encounters and experiences? Uh, did you put it in some of your books? Uh, not really. Uh, I talked about it a little bit, maybe, but most of my stuff in my books, my, my first book was called Legends Miss, well, not my first one, but my, my first big book from this new publisher. It's called Legends, Miss Monsters and Ghosts, the USA edition. And what I did is I just took stories that would be handed down from older people to younger people. And I passed them on. Like here, we've got a story. It's called Helen's Bridge. And on Helen's Bridge, what supposedly happened, and there's, there is written documentation that kind of concurs with a lot of it, but there was a big house up here where the rich people lived, and they had given a lady named Helen and her daughter a smaller house down across this little bridge for her to live in because her husband had died in a war. This was in the 1800s, late 1800s. And uh, so... She was living there and she'd do housework for the big house and then go back to her home. Well, she was there one, one day and she was doing, making supper and, or cooking food on the stove. And the little girl was upstairs and she stepped outside to hang laundry up while she's hanging the laundry. She don't realize it, but some of the stuff on the stove, uh, spilled over onto the stove and caught on fire. And before she realized that the house was just filled with fire and smoke and she tried to get in to save her daughter and she couldn't. And the people from the other house come running down, was trying to help her. And they called the fire department and they showed up. 
And she looked up and at the window, she could see her daughter standing there. And then the last thing she seen was her daughter put her hand on the window like that. And you seen her hand go down the window and disappear. Mm. Well, they pulled her daughter out. She had died. And Helen was just overcome with grief. She was just tore all to pieces with it. She could not be consoled. And they worked and worked and worked trying to calm her down and everything. They took her up to the main house and everybody was there at night trying to get her calmed down. She fell asleep, supposedly. Everybody went to bed and she got up after everybody went to bed and she walked down to the bridge and she tripped on something as she walked and she realized it was a rope there. So she picked this rope up. And she laid it down the bridge and she walked over to the remains of her house and she just started screaming and crying as she was just really overwhelmed again, reliving it all her mind. And she walked over, she tied the rope off on the bridge, tied it around her neck and jumped off the side and hung herself. Damn. And now it's haunted. The spirit of Helen and her daughter both haunt that area. And, uh, her daughter is said to show up in the form of a fireball in the sky in the, in the, you know, up in the, up in the air, there's orbs up there. There's a full body apparition sightings up there, everything. That's, that's the kind of stuff I passed down in my book. It's got everything from UFOs in it. It's got ghosts in it. It's got cryptid creatures like Bigfoot and Mothman and the Jersey devil and, all these different stories are in that book. It's 590 pages of this, all these stories from all over the United States. And five of these pages, 590 pages. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. You could kill, <laughs> you could kill a deer with that. <laughs> Damn. And so, my other book is called Legend, I mean, uh, Monsters of the World. And this might interest some of your, 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 your listeners and stuff because there's a hundred and four monsters from all over the world. Oh. And there's 26 people sent me encounters with some monsters. Also from Germany? There's some from Germany. There's England. There's you name it. There's there's stories in there from all over the place. And I'm curious, what what about Germany? Can you give well, me you know, Germany, Germany's pretty famous for having werewolves. Werewolves, yeah, interesting, yeah, we do. I mean, that they the German people when they come here, they uh come here back in the early 1900s, they brought stories of werewolves and stuff with them. And we have the werewolf, you have the dog man over there, yep. Think it's the same, uh, no, because of the background, the background for each creature is different, and the dog man actually goes all the way back to the early years of earth uh there was actually stories from early explorers who found an entire tribes of dogmen in india what yeah they found out they found these tribes of these dogmen and they communicated with barks and yeps and they hunted in they hunted and killed animals and ate them and it was just like human dogs when you say a tribe of dogmen uh can I picture these guys like I pictured a werewolf or was it like hairy men? Well, they look, they had the resemblance of a dog with, with human hands, but you know, it's like a werewolf. Yeah. But the only difference is a werewolf 
the stories of the werewolf are they are able to they're cursed humans and yes. a werewolf changes from a human to a werewolf from a werewolf to a human well dogmen don't dogmen's an actually species they say the same all the time but they have to these dog-like faces already yeah. have to think oh that's crazy yeah, body covered with hair they still their feet are still like a dog's foot except bigger uh i've seen tracks from dogmen that is as, that are as big as eight to ten inches long yeah and it's shaped exactly perfect like a dog's foot i have a colleague at work that could be one of these guys i'm not sure man <laughs> the description fits <laughs> and i don't want to be rude but they're kind of like the the buttholes of the forest <laughs> they're they're known to have a grumpy attitude to them yeah oh uh, there's there's been reports of attacks uh basically ripping humans to shreds oh um, and the 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 government people seem to cover them up and say it was a dog attack or a bear attack but what the, they put across is not what the evidence shows i was about going into that since you mentioned it now um, I watched this video um, from Linda Moulton Howe. I'm sure you're familiar with her or have, have heard of her. I've Linda Moulton Howe, of course. And she, in a recent video, I'm, I don't remember. Maybe I find it and I will put a link in the description. And I will also link your books and everything in the description, as I told you. Um, she told the story of a guy who drove down the road, like chilly Millie in his car, and uh, his, uh, the, the passenger side window was down. And suddenly he, in the mirror, he saw this creature running behind his car. It turned out to be one of these dog men. And he ran, he ran besides the car as fast as the car was going. He was, he was following the car. He was looking while he was running. He was looking into the window and he grabbed into the window. And then this guy shot at this creature and he said it fell down to the ground and he drove off. But a few miles ahead, he stopped and said, maybe I should. He was curious. Maybe I should take a look. And he turned around, and when he um when he came back, he said, "This the beast was gone, but there was, let's say, strange cars and strange people there." And he said, "Um, I have to. I don't recall the story in, in detail. Maybe I, I'm I'm wrong now, but things were said uh, like um could be a creature." made by the government maybe an experiment something like that i don't know but crazy well you know stalin tried doing it in world war ii he tried uh mixing uh ape or gorilla dna with human dna oh that's true yeah i remember did not that. turn out well did not turn out well <laughs> no 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 um no and yeah. hitler did experience he did experience experiments too uh, a lot of the big leaders before World War II, because manpower was so short, tried to create super soldiers. America did it. They tried to create super soldiers, but they didn't try to mix DNA. They tried other ridiculous ways to do it. And uh, found out that none of those things work. <laughs> no, none of the things work. Not too long ago, I had a podcast uh for my other project, and we were talking about black goo. Have you heard of black goo? Does it ring a bell? Mm, it does, but don't. I don't know anything a, about it. I've heard it talked about, but I don't really know anything about it. 
it's a let's say hypothetical substance that's intelligent and um some people say there are experiments with something like that with black goo it's a, like it's an intelligent mass uh like the blob was the movie blob i'm sure you're familiar with the movie oh, i love that movie yeah yeah i love it too the old one oh uh, yeah uh yeah he he ate everything yeah dum dum cars everything people <laughs> and um yeah the the black goo might be something like that if it exists and it it's intelligent and it can uh it can uh it can be everything it wants it can transform into a car or could be could be a ufo and its own pilot at the same time and it's intelligent and you can use it for so many things and Some theories say you can also inject it into people and make them super, super human with superpowers and um, it, it, it heals the people from inside and stuff like that. Yeah, talking about super, super human beings. It's, uh, that sounds like an alien situation. <laughs> sounds like an alien situation. Of course, these are, uh, let's say, urban legends or conspiracies. Oh, yeah. but, but who knows what's... In all these laboratories, we don't know, man, what they're working on. Um, not too long ago, I heard that China created this chimera from two species of uh, monkeys. And um, yeah. Wow. Oh, man, we don't know what. No, we don't have a clue what's going on with the government. <laughs> they said, oh, they all died. Only one uh, was born alive and it lived only for a few days. But if they give you that... You don't know what still exists that they don't tell you. Maybe we have, well, a, I don't know, flying gorilla already somewhere in a cage. <laughs> well, you got scientists right now that were getting ready to start bringing back, uh, like the uh, Tasmanian tiger. They're going to bring back the uh, mammoths. They've already started the DNA workup on these. They've already started the process of cloning these creatures. To produce them, I love that back in habitation. I love that. I I'm not sure if a species um goes extinct. Maybe there's a reason for it, but sometimes the reason is uh, humans. And well, that's what they said. They said that they interviewed the guy and they said, "Why do you want to do this? This is not natural." He said, "Look, humans caused this the, the destruction of the Tasmanian tiger, so." We're just trying to set things right. We're trying to balance out what nature, you know, couldn't do. We're trying to do it. And uh, they said that woolly mammoth, if they bring it back, that it could actually adapt to areas that a regular elephant couldn't adapt to. And it would actually bring back those ecosystems back into balance. Now, I don't know about all that. I've seen some videos that... You, you, you got to know nature's going to make up its own anyway. I watched a, I watched this video. It was the most amazing video I've ever seen. And it was about bears in uh, this up in, uh, way, way up in uh, Russia. And it was a real cold area. It was a small little mining town. There wasn't but like, I think, 100 people there. And these bears... It was so wild that it showed the bear that it was on a security camera that had been set up. And the bear, this one bear come in on its belly and it slid in in the snow above the town. 
and it was watching the town people, watching what they were doing. And when everybody got off the street, this bear slid back down this little hill. And all of a sudden, here he come running down this little road that feeds into the town. And there was like 15 other bear with him. And it showed from the security camera, because you could see the whole town from the security camera, the bears ripped down the doors and killed everyone in that town. Whoa. Didn't eat them. They just killed everybody. And then the bears left. I didn't expect uh, that when you when you string the story started. I, 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 I already thought it meant, what, sneaky little bastard stealing the <laughs> yeah, like was, that. But it, um, was, it was weird. <laughs> okay. So it was a, a bear gang, actually. <laughs> it's like they were packing like wolves. Yeah, but why did they kill everybody? So you you said these guys these guys already went went home and and were inside their houses. So they yeah tear down the doors and, and fucked everyone up. But what, what the fuck? Yeah. It was the it was the strangest video I've ever seen. But it was all from a security camera. I don't know. Man. I've never been able to find the video again. I don't know if they took it down and got rid of it or what. But I've looked everywhere for that and i can't find it again but it was the strangest video i've ever seen in my life maybe it was not natural maybe there were some kind of remote control or something like that you don't know it could it may have been it's a kind of government experience or something i don't i don't know it was just i've never seen bears spy on people and then go back and come back in a pack and attack we laugh about it but i'm sure that Maybe not not that, but strange things are in the making, man. And I really, I'm really sure that they experiment on some really crazy stuff. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised too. Um, you worked for the Navy. So when did you work for the Navy? I was in the Navy from 1985 to 1989. 85 to 89, so pretty long time. Um, have you heard? while you're on duty for these, all these years, have you heard rumors, I mean, about UFOs, alien bodies, uh, military bases with stuff like that? I mean, have you heard something that did people talk about that uh, or? No, back then, nobody really gave it a second thought. Nobody would talk about it. And and if you talked about anything, like UFOs or anything back then, people made fun of you. And I all thought you you should be wearing a tin full hat and living in a padded room. <laughs> oh, surprise, they still do. <laughs> yeah, well, not quite as bad anymore since it's become more mainstream now. So. Yeah. So, but yeah, back then it was nobody talked about it, nobody mentioned it. It's like ghosts and cryptic creatures. You didn't talk about none of that stuff back then. You wouldn't able, you hadn't been able to talk about any of that stuff till about the, around the two thousands, early two thousands. Then it was like, oh, okay, yeah, UFO, yeah, no big deal. Or ghost or monsters. It wasn't really thought of it bad because mainstream TV started putting on more shows about it, more movies about it and everything else. And it's a lot more accepted now than it's ever been in history. Yeah. At least as far as I know. So you didn't have the new guy on board who said, oh, my uncle used to work for Area 51, actually, and he saw this crazy shit there. No. Nah, nobody talked about anything like that. Usually is where we're gonna get a beer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We we were in the Navy young. We liked alcohol. 
So, um, not too a few minutes ago, you mentioned orbs, and I find um orbs pretty interesting. I don't. Uh, let's clear the area. I'm I'm very skeptic when it comes to all this stuff, but I believe everything is possible, right? And orbs, I hear often. I hear orbs, um, at the same time when people talk about. For example, Bigfoot. They they see a Bigfoot and they see orbs, and they see a UFO and they see orbs and a Bigfoot. And sometimes they, they people talk about blue, red, and yellow orbs. I don't know what these colors uh, might mean. Maybe you know know about it or have an idea. But some people see an orb and suddenly there's a Bigfoot and there's Bigfoot traces. And suddenly yeah. these Bigfoot traces stop, and then they see the orb again. So, have you heard stories about orbs and Bigfoots and UFOs at the same time? I have. Uh, I I personally, now this is just my thoughts, but from my experience and what I've researched and less, I don't think there's any correlation between the orbs, the UFOs, and the Bigfoot. I, I personally don't think there is. Oh. Now, there might be, no, there is no such thing as an expert on UFOs, ghosts, or cryptid creatures. There's no expert out there. I don't, nobody can say, well, I know all there is to know, because no, they don't. Uh, orbs usually are representative of dead spirits or spirits moving around and checking things out. I don't doubt that there's probably some been around the, the Bigfoot. And I'm sure the, I figure the, if the UFOs are looking at Bigfoot, they probably figure, well, the rest of us are, aren't really worth wasting our time for. Bigfoot's more interesting. <laughs> We're a lost cause. At least Bigfoot's got some kind of, you know. <laughs> but the I, every orb that I've seen, I've seen a few in person. Uh, usually when you get around the orb or something, you can feel an electrical charge in the air. You can smell uh, electrical charge. You can smell oh, really? Oh, yeah, the smell of it. And they move they move real casual. Everyone I've ever seen there, there's not been any of the orbs that shot across anywhere. They just kind of wander through and stop and move over here and they'll stop over here. And, but I've never had an issue with any of the orbs I've seen in person. They've never, they, they never give me a, a feeling of fear or hesitation. But you do think there's something special. They're not just, uh, I don't know, dust. Uh, on well, the now, some of the videos you got to watch because when you dust particles can pick up light and look like an orb on a video but so you got to be kind of skeptical of a lot of the videos of orbs but if you're seeing them in person it's a totally different situation i heard i didn't see it myself but i heard that some of these orbs they act kind of intelligent so they move in a certain kind of way and um, it doesn't seem like dust uh, struggling in the wind, something like that. So they, they really do move. Um, yeah, intelligent. That's interesting. Yeah. It's very interesting. Makes you wonder what it is. I've seen them. I, well, I actually had, I was in a certain area, like when I was up at Helen's Bridge, I actually had an orb come up to me stop within two foot of me and this set there and it was a it was it would change colors it would go from blue to green 
to a purplish and back to blue and it would just the the colors would rotate on it and it would move it would move all the way around me and it would come back in front and stop it would go up and it would stop and it would come to the side and then the orbs would disappear and we got the full body apparition of helen standing in front of us and don't ever make fun of a ghost because they don't like it if you make fun of the ghost they get mad they, they they have tendency to to want to get you. <laughs> oh, yeah. We started aggravating her, and she got kind of ill at us, and it was an interesting situation. So, but no crazy connection between Bigfoot and orbs uh, when it. Not your- that I've seen. Now, I'm not saying there isn't. I just I don't. I nothing that I've seen can show me that. Yes, there's Bigfoot, there's an orb there, or yes, there's a UFO. Now, it probably does happen, but I've never personally seen it. Do you have um, a lot of UFO sightings in your area where you live? We have some, not a lot, or that, or people just not talking about them. Uh, now, if you go down towards the coast, down towards the you know where the ocean is and all that, There seems to be more down in that area than there is here or around military bases. There's always tons and tons of sightings around military bases. Makes you wonder why. Do you have an opinion on that? I think they're curious about what we know as far as military goes. I mean, if they can go out, I've read, I couldn't tell you how many reports of them shutting down nuclear sites. Yeah, I heard that too. So that, look, I can do this and there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. And... I mean, they're just checking us out just like we would be checking them out if we, you know, we want to find out what their capabilities are. But And really, we're pretty primitive to what they would even consider. I mean, they could take our, our missiles out. They could take anything we have out without a whole lot of effort. Imagine them being a million years ahead. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're. I mean, you look at the 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 age of Earth compared to some of these other galaxies out there. You have super earths that are two to three times older than we are out there. And they know for a fact that there's at least that they've mapped already. There's at least, well, I think it was 20 or 30 super earths. Mm. that the earth that is bigger than ours. That is in the right rotation around the sun, their sun and everything else. And has water on it. And they're looking at, you know, several million years older than we are. That's crazy. Imagine beings from some, I don't know where, be, beings that are a million years ahead of us and imagine them standing right beside you and having a talk. What they, Imagine what they are talking about. You oh, yeah. You wouldn't even get it. You wouldn't even get it. They wouldn't even include you in the, in, into their talk because you, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't get it anyways, what they're talking about. It'd be a waste of their time to tell you because you'd be like, huh? Yeah, <laughs> what's wrong? Yeah, um, or even cross-dimensional because you know there's tons and tons of people talking about all these portals opening and stuff. Then now you're looking into a whole different ball game. There, you're looking at different dimensions. And if Einstein and some of the other geniuses are correct, it's unlimited. So there's more dimensions than we can even imagine. It's it's you know infinite. I. I do love talking about portals, 
portals here on Earth. And I know a guy here from Germany, he's a book publisher, and he's uh, researching on portals and portal places. That's very interesting. Um, and, and within the ancient alien theory, we also hear a lot about portal places or alleged portals that oh, are yeah. made from stone. But I do think all these, some people say, if you only knew how to, which button to push and which stone to push or pull and this portal will open. I do not think that these are the actual portals. I think those are just the places these people built. But the place is the portal. Or I can believe that. At least the the these these places, these spots, uh, were the the spots where these portals were opened, where they appeared and disappeared, and people just made these things out of stone and carved stuff into stone to honor it, or or I don't know how to put it in words, but um, I don't think these rock formations and all these uh, things they cut and into rock and carved into rock are not the actual portals, but the spot, the is, markers. Yeah, it's the marker. Yeah, you could yeah. say the marker. But because people are say, ah, oh, look at this, it, it it seems like a portal place. And if I only knew how to how to activate it, no, you can't, man. It's just it's just a statue of the portal. It's just yeah, you gotta be able to hit that frequency to open up that portal. Frequencies, yeah. I'm talking about frequencies, uh, I know this researcher from Austria, and he's um he found this uh, crazy uh, ancient resonance chambers in Austria. There. Oh, awesome! And you sit in in if you sit inside of one of these chambers, and there are tubes carved in 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 the rock, like strange tubes. And you sit in the main chamber, and you produce a, a sound like mm, with your with your throat or with an instrument. It vibrates and resonates in this chamber. It's crazy, man! It it really puts you in another. Oh, I'd love to see that. Yeah, it's crazy. awesome, and it's uh, it's. Crazy shit here in Austria, I tell you that. And he's still researching and um, experimenting in this chamber with instruments, with his voice. And we find that too in uh, some pyramids. We find that um, in in uh, graves, in graves, um, grave mounds in uh, England. I I read about that too. Maybe I put some links in the description. It was very interesting to learn about that, about how how important frequencies seems to be. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Frequencies are, I mean, humans only see and hear in a very small part of the frequency waves. I mean, we only get like this much and there's this much. <laughs> I mean, you know, we're, we're restricted when it comes to that. Where animals can see and hear in different frequency other than what we do. They have, you know, better eyesight where well, they can go farther into a different area like night shine where they can see better at night than what they can during the day and it's it's all out in nature we just got to figure it out and it's all out to our forest to figure out that's the whole thing about it yeah it's interesting how people think that maybe ancient people moved rocks and stones with frequencies all i can believe it pyramids maybe these crazy big blocks and uh, how did they I learned in school. I have a, I have a, a book from school uh, behind me in, in the book shelter. And it shows these crazy uh, things they built from from locks when they push these big, big, with ropes, they, they pull these big uh, uh, stones. Oh, yeah. 
the pyramids. And this is what I learned in school. And I said, okay, that looks, seems legit. Seems legit. Back then, I, I, I was thinking, okay, that looks good. When I was a child, of course, I, I believed it. Of course, that's what I learned in yeah. school. And the school would never lie to me. Or, And now I know they didn't know better back then, too. So and now, now I'm here, 43, and, and I'm thinking, what the fuck? They never, ever pulled these fucking <laughs> big rocks <laughs> with locks and, and ropes. No. No. no, I mean you're looking at tons and what there's a million tons or something like that. Some of the base rocks are for the pyramid. You can't get enough people to pull that. <laughs> no, I mean you could, you could, you could pull it maybe a few meters or a few hundred yards. I don't know. You could do it on a on a even surface, maybe. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure about that. But <laughs> no, not uh, you couldn't build a pyramid by that. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not down with the theory. I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm with you, definitely. Let's come back for a few minutes uh, to the Bigfoot topic. What do you think Bigfoots are? Do you think they are apes, bears? Or do you think there are some beings from somewhere else? My personal belief. I believe they're, they're a split off from the giants. You know, you had giants back in the old days. It's mentioned in every... Tech, every religious text, there's talk of giants, and we know that there's giants. Hell, there's giants these days. Any human being over seven foot tall is considered giant. We have NBA players that are over seven foot tall. So, you know, but I believe when they, they're an ancient group of giants. And in my book, I talk about where when the Indians crossed over from Asia across the land bridge into America, they actually come into contact with what they described as wide-eyed giants and there were cannibals. And what happened is they come over in mass and they took the land away from the giants and either killed them or run them off. And my belief is that these giants moved into these giant cave systems like the mammoth cave systems and all that. And that's where they lived until there was no longer room for them there. And they had to spread out all over the place. And most of the most of the creatures that are Bigfoot like, like the Yeti or the Yowie or the, oh, I can't remember what the one in China is called, the Yaren, Yaren, uh, they're all they all come about at the end of another culture's demise. Whoa. So I believe what they are, they're actually ancient people in those areas that have developed into instead of going modern human they they kind of reverted more to a more primitive state but they're intelligent that's why you don't find you don't find a lot of their bones or anything like that and you're not going to because they're living deep into the woods and either they're burying their their dead which would be a tradition back in those early years or the soil is acidic as soil is and and the rain is is just the, is just melting everything away. Bear bear bones do that. Uh, wildcat bones do that. If you leave them out in the woods, they just they just the soil and everything eats them. Along with the bugs and the, you know the pestilent the pests and all that come in, there won't be nothing left. Not even bones. The the bones disappear. Yeah, they'll 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 decay and they'll rot and they'll just disappear after a while. Even if you don't bury them, 
most time if you bury something, it lasts longer than if you leave it on the surface. Because if you leave it on the surface, you have to deal with the insects and the parasites and the weather and all that stuff. I'm not familiar with this kind of stuff. So you're telling me a fact right there. These bones disappear. Yeah, scientifically, anything left in the woods, because the soil is so acidic because it, all the minerals and all that stuff that's in soil, especially when the deep woods, like when you're up in, uh, say, the mountains here in North Carolina, we have the oldest mountain system in, in the United States. It's called the Appalachians. With the acid from the trees and the tree saps and everything else, bones don't last a long time on the surface anywhere. I mean, I've seen bare bones, the decayed bare bones, that wouldn't hurt anything left. And uh, it's just everybody's all worried about finding this stuff. And you, you're not going to find it unless you find something fairly recently dead. And if they buried their dead, like it would have been their tradition to do, you're not going to find it anyway. How quick are we talking about do these bones disappear? But it depends on the area. Uh, you have to look at everything from humidity to uh, the soil to the trees around. Even the trees around can cause different uh, decay rates of bones and, and uh, skin. Let's say under best conditions, a year? Best conditions are probably a year. A year. So if there's uh, some kind of Bigfoot out there, I think... And that goes for most of the cryptids. That's my opinion. There must be a lot. So you should you should find some bones, I think, now and then. Well, you figure like here here and around my where I live at. And there's two of our natural national parks we have right here close to me. Now we have more than two, but just two of them, there's over a million acres. Okay. That's big. So if these creatures are staying back away from people. And they're, I mean, you're talking areas where nobody goes, nobody even hunts them because they're so far back in the woods. You're never going to find anything if you're not there. And if they're as intelligent as many people think they are, they probably, yeah, bury their death or bring them in, in into a cave or a cave system, something like that. Maybe they live, I don't know, down under somewhere. I don't, I'm not, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, Hard to wrap my mind around that kind of stuff. But when you say giants, you talk about humans, humanoid giants, you, uh, humans, yeah. very big humans that uh, evolved backwards, so to speak, and backwards evolved into some kind of ape-like human being. Right. They stayed in their more primitive form than what they would have if they'd have, if they'd have been accepted in into modern human areas. Uh, now some did. I mean, you had Goliath was it was he lived in Palestine in the Palestinian area, Palestine, mm -hmm. and him and his brothers were all seven to eight foot tall, and that's that's when David took him out with the rock. I mean, you know, it's th there's throughout history, there's it's full of giants and all kinds of history and all kinds of mythology, all kinds of legends being passed down. They talk about giants a lot. <laughs> yeah well even there in the black forest there's rumors of giants being near the black forest that's true and in Germany 
right at the border of Germany and Austria, we have the Untersberg. It's a mountain uh, famous for crazy stuff, time anomalies, um, dwarfs, and giants. The mm -hmm. old people claim to have seen giants there, like when they were just kids, or they say, my grandparents have seen giants there and, and dwarfs, and they're pretty serious about their stories. Oh, very. Yeah, yeah. very serious. And they say, yeah, there was giants on this mountain, man. We, we, have, we had giants there. We saw giants go in and out of caves, and modern people now, it's hard to wrap our minds around, like I said, but these older people, man, they were dead serious when they talked about this stuff. And Oh, yeah. And you figure... If people really want to question, oh, there's no such thing as giants. Well, that's when you just let them know, you know, anything over seven foot. Andre the Giant, the wrestler, was truly registered as a giant. Yeah. He was over his seven foot six or something like that, seven foot four. And look at him. I mean, he doesn't look like a regular person. And even the big players in the NBA, if you look at them, the way their body, body shapes and their hands are that they look different than a regular average human being does. And also his face looked a little bit uh prehistoric. <laughs> yeah. And way. he actually did stuff suffer from the giant gig, gigantic disease. Yeah. It's caused his body to other parts of his body, his internal organs especially, to grow faster than they should have. Yeah. And to get much larger than they should have. But I heard he was the nicest guy ever. He, yeah, I've heard about him. He's been fantastic. I would love to have met him. I've met a lot of famous people, a lot of actors and wrestlers and all this other stuff, but he is one person I never got to meet. I would love to have met. Yeah, I'm sure he was a great guy. So that's interesting. Very interesting. All the stuff you're dealing with, man. Let's get into another story before we come to an end. Um, <laughs> I read that you... In your 20s, you had a near-death experience, and you, I think you talked about it when we started, um, with pneumonia. And yeah. um, it's a powerful part of your life story. And yes. how did your encounter with, with the angel of death and the spirit in the hospital room that I read about influence your beliefs and yeah, pursuits in the paranormal? And how did it shape the outlook on it life for you? Basically made me understand that there's a lot more than what we believe there is. Uh, just because you don't see it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And my biggest argument for that with anybody that says, oh, there's no such thing as ghosts. There's no, I've never seen a ghost. I've never seen a cryptic creature. Look at you just simply got to look at them and go, have you ever laid your eyes on a billion dollars? Hmm. And I'll say, no. I said, do you tell me that a billion dollars don't exist because you haven't seen it? <laughs> I mean, you know, people just live in the normal world. On the near-death thing, uh, it, it, it was really an interesting situation. I was in the hospital because I didn't want to go to the doctor. I hate going to doctors. And I got to a point to where I couldn't fight it anymore. I was lethargic. I was had over 104 fever for a day or so. I couldn't even pick my arms up at one point. And I was carried out, put in a car, took the emergency room. Emergency room went crazy. They thud me in real quick, trying to cool me down, pumping fluids into me and everything else. And that night I was laying in the room. They finally got me down enough to where I was back in my room. And I was laying there and all of a sudden I woke up 
and I was standing there and there's a woman beside my bed. And it, I just kind of looked at her and said, hello. And she said, it's okay. You just need to just relax. Everything's going to be good. And I sat up in the bed and I jumped down. I looked and the clock was stopped. The second hand wasn't moving or nothing. It was just sitting there. I looked back and my body was still in the bed. And she says, it's okay. Don't get excited. And it was the most relaxed, calm feeling I've ever had in my entire life. It's probably one of the, the best feelings I've ever had because there was no anxiety. There was no worry them nothing. And all of a sudden people started walking through the walls of my room, coming into my room. And I look in the corner and it was a shadow there. It looked like an angel. You could see the outline of the wings. You could see the body, but the eyes were the most incredible thing I've ever seen. He had the bluest eyes I've ever seen. And there were, there was nothing scary about it. It was just, when you look at his eyes and you were just, everything's good, you know? And we were, I was talking to all the people that had come in my room through the walls and he raised his hand up. This little bitty pin of light formed and he put his hand down and went pop. And the whole wall was a light, just a bright, bright light. And all these people started walking, going into the light, telling me bye and, you know, talking to me as I left. And I thought, well, I guess it's my turn. So I started to the light and a woman grabbed me. She said, no, darling, it's not your time. You lay back down. And I would listen to her, whatever she told me, I would just do whatever she said. So I got up on my and I sat down, I laid down. And right before she went through, she stopped and she waved at me. So I sat up and I waved at her. And all of a sudden, it was gone. The light was gone. The angel was gone. So I laid back down and people come bursting into my room and people were all excited. And I looked at them, I said, what's wrong? And they all stopped. <laughs> And the nurse looked at me. She said, are you you all right? And I said, I'm fine. What can I do for you? And everybody left. And she's telling me that the alarms were going off because my heart stopped beating. Now, I'd probably been, it took about three minutes for all this stuff to happen. Well, there was no time. There was no time when I was in that state. You couldn't tell a minute from a day because it was, it was, everything was just, it was, so surreal that you really couldn't even understand what was happening. And I looked at her and I said, I, and I told her the woman's name and her face got just as white and all the, all the color just left her face. And I I said, tell me about her. And he said, she said, she died in this room before you got here. And I started naming all these other people and telling about all these other people that come in there. And every one of those people had died in that hospital. (laughs) you said there was no time no sense of time that's interesting could be just a few seconds yeah i mean it was it was it was it was really cool because like i said the feeling that you had was just this calm relaxed probably the most relaxed you've ever been with your eyes open because and there was no no anxiety even looking at the angel I wasn't scared. I wasn't anxious, but his eyes were just, 
he had those i'll never forget the eyes i every time i close my eyes i still see a glimpse of him in my eyes every time i close them hmm. and it, it it was not a bad experience now being sick was a bad experience <laughs> yeah gotcha um they say sleep is the cousin of that you know that and when you sleep and when you have a nice dream sometimes there's also no sense of time you 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 look at your at your clock and it's um i'm i don't know 8 a.m. or something like that and you fall asleep and you dream the whole uh lord of the rings trilogy and when you wake up it's three minutes past yeah it's crazy sometimes what what, yeah. what can happen in in a dream i don't know what where where are you at when you dream that's crazy right where where yeah. are you when you dream you you like i said you you can dream you can dream six movies in 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 three minutes and This is this is so crazy. Where I'm at when I'm dreaming. Yeah. Well, you know, there's a theory about that. There's a theory out out there that says that when you're dreaming, you're actually seeing yourself in a different dimension. You're seeing the yeah. person that is you in the other dimension. You're seeing stuff through their eyes. And that's interesting. They say some some say that dreams. Well, not every dream. We have dreams where we, uh, when we had a stressful day, we dream different. Yeah. From, uh, the dreams we have when we are in a very relaxed sleep and state of state of mind. Um, some some people say it could be a glimpse behind the curtain of reality, maybe into another dimension or a alternative reality. Yeah, and I do believe that. I really do believe that. Sometimes you have dreams, and and I had a dream like that, and then um, the neighbor was my brother. Everything was the same as in reality, but. It felt it felt uh, normal, but it was different. Like they said, the neighbor was my brother, and the neighbor's wife was my wife, and and my my cousin was this and that, and it was it was all mixed, but it felt normal, like in a parallel universe or something like that. It was I believe you. I, I agree. Yeah, I really do. So many mysteries out there, so many mysteries within ourselves. And um, I do like talk about um, consciousness and where it's maybe where it's located. I, I don't think that our consciousness is bound to our body. It's somewhere else, man. And we are just a vessel. And oh, I believe that. when this vessel dies, I'm still here the same as I am now. But now there is a video out. I think it was a Swedish. They had put a person in this waiting area because the person was dying. So they put them in this area where they was waiting for them to pass away because there's nothing else they could do for them. And there was a security camera in there and they actually videoed by accident the soul leaving the body or the consciousness leaving the body. I think I've seen that and They say when people die, they lose a very tiny amount of weight also. Uh, I it's, believe it. It's it's crazy. The soul and the country. Do you think soul and consciousness means the same or is the same? I think we're so limited in our understanding that it, for humans it is, yes. But I don't I don't I don't think in the in the greater picture that they're the same. It might be. I don't know. I, it, there's so many mysteries on stuff like that of what really happens and everything else that 
I only know what I experienced and what I've seen in different areas. When I've talked to other people who have had, you know, near death experiences, what they've talked about and it all correlates. So I don't know. It, I don't know. <laughs> have you had experiences with, uh, psychedelics? I have not. I've never did any kind of drugs before. Yeah. I, I also have not, not one, but I have friends that, uh, had experiences with DMT, for example, LSD, stuff like that. And they tell me the craziest stories, man. And I, I, I always say, I'm not sure. There's there's some things on Earth or wherever, maybe another dimension, and we can peek into a little bit. But I don't think that all these things are made for us to explore. I think there's um, some places on Earth uh, or some things on Earth that are not made for us. We just found a way to explore them a little bit, but they're not made for us. I, I think I'm not sure. I think they're, they might be for us later on when we, when we get more intelligent and less, for lack of a better word, selfish, we're going to have to develop into a creature that is more in tune with what's around us than we are in tune with. What can I get? What can I get for myself? What can I get for my family? And I know that sounds kind of hippieish, which is not me by any means, but I just, I think there's a lot more to us because we were what the way we were created and everything that we've only experienced this much in a huge, huge world. Yes. That we're eventually going to be like, we we're able to do more things now than our, our fathers were and our grandfathers were and our, great, great grandfathers for everything else. And then we're going to keep getting into that area to where we'll be much more advanced intelligently. And hopefully some of this craziness will go away. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. You're absolutely right. Uh, actually, I do think that ancient people that lived very long ago knew a lot more about all this stuff than we do now. We also, I think you're right. Somehow. Oh, I, I agree. I think what what hurt us, but also helped us, was the industrial age. I think before that, That's we were much more in tune with what was around us. That's why, if you look at a lot of these ancient carvings and ancient writings, they talked about things that people nowadays go, "Wow, there's no such thing." There's depictions of on the walls of people riding dinosaurs, and we're thinking, "No, that's impossible." Because dinosaurs were gone before that. We don't know that. We don't have a clue when they got there. We're guessing. We're doing carbon dating, which is not the most accurate way to determine something. They've already proven that. <laughs> yeah. I, I also saw an article long ago where they presented uh, uh, some kind of vessel and it was some carvings or paintings on it. I'm not sure. And it was very, very old. And uh, you could see dinosaurs together with people on this vessel. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I was sitting there and like, what the fuck is that? Um, we, I mean, how long do we know about dinosaurs? A hundred years plus? I'm not sure now exactly, but not, not too long. And well, even, uh, even the word dinosaur is new. The word dinosaur yeah. didn't even come around until like the 1920s. That's true. And there's a story about this uh, couple and they were, let's call it researchers, um, <laughs> uh, long ago uh, 1890 I don't know something like that I'm, I'm not too sure about it and they found um, 
they found dinosaur bone, bones and they brought parts of it back home into the house and they were they were believers in God and the Bible and, and they were very, very into God. And then at home, they were sitting there thinking about what they just have found and they thought, no, we can't do that. And they brought this shit back <laughs> and uh, put it back in the hole where they found it, put dirt on it and um, yeah. Oh, wow. Forgot about it. So they, they said, no, it doesn't correlate with our belief system. So we have to bring it back. It's we can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> Humans. That's human. Well, that's why the aliens, when they drive by Earth, they roll their windows up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Bye bye. I think they just come here now and then, have a look, and then they. I mean, if they're here, like Eric Van Daniken, I had the chance to talk to Eric Van Daniken. Uh, I think last year I had him for an interview, half an hour. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's into the alien, ancient alien theory, and I talked to him. And um, I, if if he's right and aliens are visiting us for maybe millions of years or, or, or even longer, who knows? Yeah. I think everything is possible. Oh, yeah. But if so, they're also watching us for all this time. And they know us. They know us very well. And this is where some things are sound, sound strange to me. You said they're UFOs. And I know that for a fact, many people say that UFOs are often seen at military bases or over military bases, and they do this and they do that. And I sometimes, and, and I ask people, what do you think? Why? Why? And people say, yeah, they want to observe and they want to see what we're doing and stuff like that. And I say, yeah, I, I get that. But if they're here for millions of years, they know everything about us. They know, they know our technique and they have, and they have technology to observe us from wherever they are. I think they... If they are over military bases or wherever, they're not here to observe us and to check out what we're doing. They're here to mock us and say, hey, look, look, that could be very true. Here we are. And then, take a blurry picture of me, fucker. Yeah, something like that. So we don't have, there's nowadays with, with the AI and everything, I, I trust no picture anymore. I don't trust the picture anymore. Oh, no, me either. Yes. Me either. No, no videos, nothing. But a few years back, we didn't have one good UFO picture. So there was a few maybe where you could say, hmm, maybe, maybe, maybe. And then we had these Billy Meyer pictures. I not, do not believe this Billy Meyer stuff. I believe it's an interesting story. And uh, his spiritual message might be a good one, a positive one. But I do not believe in the UFO stuff. Um, yeah, but besides that, do we have a few good... Do you know about good pictures where you say, okay, these pictures are very good. I I think these could be the real deal. I've seen I've seen some. I've seen some very, very good ones that where you look at it and you go, hmm, that could be nothing else. And I mean, these now these are older pictures. These are back with 35 millimeter cameras before it was so easy to fake them like it is now. But uh, the ones that I've seen, you only had a second or two to even get a picture anyway, except for the one that was in the ocean and it was so far away you couldn't have got a picture to begin with. Yeah. Now, the one I've seen, the one we've seen in uh, coming back from Chicago at 30,000 feet. 
he was there one second and he was gone the next. And really that thing shouldn't have been flying. It was a giant cigar, silver looking cigar. It had no propulsion. It had no wings. It had no tail fins. It had just a big metal shiny tube that looked like a cigar. It was come down on an angle on both sides and it was there. And then it went poof and it was gone. And it makes you wonder why anybody would pick that shape for, for I mean, traveling yeah. or exploring. I can see why it'd be aerodynamic, but there's no propulsion. There's nowhere on it thing. That it had, it looked like propulsion, but it disappeared so fast. And at such amazing speed. It couldn't have been anything else. Yeah. And at 30,000 feet, there's not a lot up there. <laughs> I mean, sometimes I wonder when I look at old UFO pictures and sometimes drawings when people uh, give their stories, how these, the shapes of these UFOs sometimes or always fit in the, the zeitgeist or the, uh, the How can you can you put it in words? The 70s UFOs, they looked like 70s UFOs. And the 80s <laughs> UFOs, they looked like 80s UFOs. You know what I mean? The, the shape of the UFOs yeah. always fit the zeitgeist of the of the of this of the time. Of the, of the saucer plate. Yeah, yeah, it was <laughs> a saucer. And and now and now we have what do we have now? We have a lot of triangles right now, and we have uh, balls of light and Back then, it was uh, like the saucers, like you said, or uh, at one point it was uh, boomerangs and and. Um, oh yeah, yeah. The tubes. It's crazy how it. Have you seen the ones about the flying cubes? Cubes. Cubes. I've seen the video uh, the government presented at the UFO conference, and I think they also presented a cube-shaped one. Yeah, uh, that that looked to me like it couldn't fly. There's. There's no aerodynamics to a cube. No. Why would you? Pick <laughs> I mean, it's, it has to be something that is not restricted by physics. Sometimes Or I physics much higher than what we could possibly understand. I wonder if they just want to give us something to think about. <laughs> <laughs> they, they're sitting here like just like we are, and they say, hmm. What are we doing tomorrow? Mark these strange uh, humans down there. Let's give them, let's say, let's give them a, give them a triangle. <laughs> let's, let's mess with their head. Yeah. Give them a triangle and watch how they scratch their heads. Yeah. It's crazy. But man, George, um, let's wrap it up for today. It was a crazy cool talk. I had a lot of fun talking to you and I hope I'm we can do it. this again, man. Uh, anytime, anytime you want me, I'll be back. Awesome, wonderful. Um, is there anything else that you want people to know? Maybe uh, a homepage. You already talked about your podcast, um, or or something else. Do you want people to get in contact with you, or do you prefer being like Bigfoot? Uh, no. If I people have questions or anything, they're welcome to go to my website. My website's author George Lunsford. Dot x10 host.com. You can contact me on there. There's a place on there that shows you contact. It goes to my, one of my emails. You're welcome to send in requests or 
anything you want. My books are available on Amazon. Uh, my podcast is available on Facebook. So, and I'm on Facebook. Uh, let's see, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram, MeWe, Rumble, and X. So anybody wants to talk to me, I'm more welcome to talk to you. I have no problem. I don't know a stranger. So Awesome. I will put all the links in the description, guys. Thank you. And thanks to everybody who made it this far. It was a long talk today, guys. I know, but I had a lot of fun. and hope you did too. George, please stay with me for two more minutes, okay? You got it. 